Welcome back to the blackout coming off of our 2021-2022 bowl pick'em tutorial. This is the bowl season pick'em pod for the blackout coming to you from bellyupsports.com. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black. Alan, it's time for bowl season. We've got a new contest on our hands. It's still the confidence pick'em format, but man, this thing is going to be awesome. With 44 games and 990 points on the board, there is a lot to look forward to in December and January. A lot to sort through, man. It's going to be a wild set of games. And I mean, just looking at the spreads, there's three games currently that are above a 10-point spread. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's remarkable. That is remarkable. It's going to make for a lot of close losses, a lot of gut-wrenching wins. I'm super excited about it, man. Yeah, it is going to be nuts. If I remember correctly, we talked about this a little bit on the Pick'em tutorial, but if I remember last year correctly in our 28-29 bowl games that we had with a bunch of cancellations, I feel like we had two or three maybe that had spreads of 20 points or more. And that's kind of typical for bowl season. You know, you're going to have some teams that are heavily favored. But this year, man, like you're saying, everybody favored by two touchdowns or less. It is going to be a wild bowl season. If Vegas is on top of this, then we're going to have a lot of fun, close matchups all the way through. What just is so frightening is you're going to have to have someone up in the high 30s and even the 40s that are a touchdown essentially or less favorite, which is insane. Those are games that you put at five or less on your normal week-to-week boards during the regular season. (laughs) So, oh boy, I mean, this is going to be exciting. It is going to be exciting, not only because you have to risk a lot of points, but because there are prizes up for grabs. That is right. If you haven't heard about it, the Blackout is bringing you prizes for our top five finishers in the Bowl Pick'em Contest. Of course, there are tiebreakers. You have to enter your tiebreaker score for the national championship, and that'll break ties along the way. But with 990 points on the board, I don't know that we're going to have a whole lot of ties, but we will see. But over $500 in prizes up for grabs that includes prizes from Manscaped, Yeet sunglasses, Visa gift cards, and of course, some blackout t-shirts. So Alan and I are here to help you go throughout the process, trying to collect those points or trying to avoid those mishaps that could save you some points while some other people cost themselves big time with with too much confidence on some teams. So Alan and I are each going to bring you eight value picks And we're also going to bring you some college football playoff picks. So, Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and dive into the value picks for bowl season. Let's do this thing, man. All right. And the best part of this for a lot of you who don't have the time and energy to absorb one pick'em pod all in one, especially when, hey, we're in the first few minutes of this thing here. I don't know how long this is going to last, but my guess is maybe it's going to be an hour. Maybe it's going to be a little bit more. Alan and I are going to try and do this in a condensed fashion and get it in and out pretty quickly. But at the same time, this is going to take some time. So we do this thing in chronological order. What that means is you can manipulate your pick'em board all throughout bowl season. Of course, every game locks once it kicks off, 
But if two or three games kick off on the first day, you still can manipulate everything else on the board. So if you want to listen to the beginning of the Pick'em Pod, you can get the first two or three picks out there, and then you can kind of sit on it for that first week, and then you can come back and make sure you get listening in for the rest of the picks as you go throughout the time. So you can listen to it in stages as you go through, and we are going to guarantee you that we will get you those games in order so you can pause if you want to. We understand that, and it's uh, it's definitely a fun way to put this thing together, Alan. Yeah, it is. Like you said, it makes it accessible for everybody and and helpful over the long haul for folks. So I'm glad we're able to do it this way. Most definitely. So we are going to kind of tag team this thing and figure out what chronological order is because Alan and I have not addressed each other with our picks to this point. So Alan, I will start us this way. Do you have a pick before the 22nd of December? I have one. All right, you go ahead and start us with your first value pick then. Okay, let's do this thing. So we're going to go to the L.A. Bowl. We're going out west for this game on the 18th of December at 7.30 p.m. And it is Utah State versus Oregon State. Now, typically in this type of matchup, you're thinking, I'm definitely going to go Pac-12 over the Mountain West school. But I really, really think that in this type of year, judging these two teams, that that would be unwise. Here's kind of the thing that you may be thinking of. Oregon State has been able to run the ball on just about anybody this year, but the key number to look for is 37. Utah State has been putting up more than that, especially over the past couple of weeks leading into bowl season, including a key win against their conference rival to win the Mountain West Championship. And Oregon State loses games where their opponents get to essentially 35 and greater. Now, this is the key thing. Utah State is a seven-point underdog, which would have the Beavers as a 29 to a 33 on your board. That is way, way, way up their board. Heck no, no way. I'm avoiding that like the freaking plague, like the Omicron variant. Utah State just beat a similar team in San Diego State to win their conference championship. I think actually Utah State pulls the upset. Now, it will be low on my board. It will be probably between 7 and 15, but I'm going Utah State over the Beavers of Oregon State for the first one as a big upset. That is a big upset, Alan. And I'll tell you, my gut was kind of the same thing. At this point, though, as we record on Thursday night, a week before games kick off, I have Oregon State picked on my board. I'm not guaranteeing it's going to stay that way, but I think you bring up a lot of good points. Utah State has been killing it on the scoreboard recently, especially that game at San Diego State in the Mountain West Championship game. That was the last week of our pick I was fortunate enough to pick Utah State in that game, but that thing got sideways, and they really ran away with it. It was an impressive performance. So I'm really interested to see which way this game goes, and I'm with you. I think the upset is in play. At this point in time, I have Oregon State. I think the key for me there is the fact that B.J. Baylor – The running back for Oregon State really runs the ball really, really well. And Utah State, if their defense isn't good in one area, it's certainly against the run. So that's kind of the edge I was looking at with that game. But I'm with you. I think this game is in play. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating one. I think highly of Blake Anderson as a coach. You know, he comes from Arkansas State. And then almost immediately this program 
becomes championship level after him being championship level there. Um, he knows how to prepare these guys for big opponents. This is a team that faced a couple of good opponents throughout the year and fared decently against them. So I love bowl season for games like this. Definitely so. All right, Alan, I believe based off what we've talked about off air a little bit, you're good now on picks now up through what, the 28th? Yeah, through the 28th. (laughs) All right, well, I'll have at least two before we get back to you, but we'll definitely get your responses to these as well. So, Alan, my first value pick in bowl season comes on the 22nd of December, as I alluded to a little while ago. This one happens in the Armed Forces Bowl. It's the only bowl game that day between Missouri and Army. And, Alan, I like the Army Black Knights in this game. It's because they are a not only a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but because, as service academies do, they run the triple option. Army has the second-best rushing offense in the country this year, averaging 301 rushing yards per game, going at 4.9 yards per clip. It's not only that, Allen. They are also top 10 in the country in both third-down conversion rate and fourth-down conversion rate. What they do is, you know, they run the ball three, four, five yards a pop. Most of the time on three downs, that's enough to pick up a first down. But if they can get within two or three yards on fourth down, they like their offense. They go for it on fourth down a bunch. And going up against a Missouri defense that has been really, really bad this year. And Allen, not just bad, but really bad against the run. I like this setup for Army. So I mentioned all the areas that Army's good at offensively. Think about this. Missouri ranks bottom 10 nationally in rush defense allowed 228 yards per game at 5.47 yards per carry. And they also rank bottom five in fourth down defense, allowing over 75% conversions on fourth down. So, Alan, I don't imagine that Missouri's going to get a lot of stops in this game. I think Army's going to be able to drive the field, score touchdowns, even when they get stopped in fourth down, as long as it's fourth and three or less. I think we're going to see Army going for it a lot, and I think they're going to convert a lot. So, Alan... The spread would indicate, with Army as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, if you follow the spread strictly, you would put Army at either a 19 or a 20. That's right at the top of the bottom half of the values amongst our 44 games. But, Alan, I like Army a lot in this one. I'm going to move the Black Knights up in value, up into the high 30s. You mentioned that we're going to have to put some teams in some uncomfortable spots, but I like this Army offense to have a lot of success and I think an underrated defense that the Black Knights have, I think should be able to get a stop or two against Missouri in what could be a high-scoring game relative to the possessions, because Army may limit this thing to a few possessions per half, but I think they should be able to have more success and finish more drives than Missouri does. So I'm taking the Black Knights up in the high 30s. I love it. Yes. So we've only got eight picks, but if we had nine, this was number nine. Man. <laughs> at, at one point, I actually had it on my list. I'm like, nah, probably not for all the same reasons, man. It is an absolute nightmare to have to prepare for a service academy during a bowl game. And this is like the worst possible, literally the worst possible matchup for Missouri. They could not stop the run. They don't even have a defensive line coach currently. They fired him right after, I think, maybe the Tennessee game, middle of the year. And their linebackers have not been great. 
I'm right there with you. Army, I, I'm thinking pushing them up the board. I don't know exactly where yet, but I am all in on the Knights as well. So go Army. I love it. Go Army. Beat Mizzou. Let's see it happen on December 22. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Dr. Seuss on the podcast. <laughs> I was seeing if I could turn it into something, and it, it was laid out there for me, so it worked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alan, for my next value pick in bowl season, I am going to a game on the very next day. This one is dealing with a couple of schools from Florida. We're looking at the Gasparilla Bowl at 7 p.m. on December 23rd. This one's between the UCF Knights and the Florida Gators. And Alan, man, the Gators come into this one as a seven and a half point favorite. But I don't have a good read on this game, and I don't know who would. With Florida, what have they done late in the season to inspire any kind of confidence against any team in the country? Let's look back at their schedule. They lost to LSU, giving up 49 points. They lost to Georgia, giving up 34 points. Now, that one was a lot closer than the score indicated. They were competitive, but it got sideways, and Georgia ended up blowing them out. They also lost 40-17 to at South Carolina. Are you kidding me? Then, in a win... They beat Samford 70-52, to giving up 52 points to Samford. And then they lost to Missouri 24-23. And then they closed out the year with a rivalry win over Florida State 24-21. But, Alan, I have absolutely no confidence in the Florida Gators. Now, they're going up against a UCF team that I don't think is great, but they're okay. Their run defense isn't great. They give up about 155 yards per game. That may not sound like a ton, but that's not great statistically nationally. And this Florida team has run the ball pretty well this year. So if Florida is going to win this game, I think they control the game running the ball. But they've given up some points to some teams, like I mentioned, late in the season. And this UCF team can score, and they run the ball pretty well. And Florida's giving up some good rushing performances to some of these teams late in the year. So I wouldn't be surprised if UCF keeps this thing close. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a one-score game late. And I also wouldn't be surprised if Florida shows that they don't care one bit about this game like they've shown for much of the season. With Dan Mullen leaving and Billy Napier coming in, I don't know exactly what the mentality of this team is going to be like. So, Alan, I already said it. Florida is a a 7.5-point favorite. But if you're going according to the spread, that would lock in Florida at either a 34 or a 35. And, Alan, that is way, way too uncomfortable for me. I think I'm probably going to stick on Florida because if you're talking about talent on the field, the Gators have more of it. I think they should be the better team. But if this was a non-conference game, say in September, I definitely would be picking the Gators and I'd be locking it in at a high value. But because it's bowl season and because of the season that Florida had bottoming out the way they did, I don't really feel any good about putting the Gators anywhere above a 10. So I think it's going to be in my bottom 10. At this point, it's in my bottom five, but I have to adjust some various spots on my board and it may slide up a little bit, but I don't feel comfortable putting a lot of points on Florida at all with the way that they performed down the stretch. Oh, heck no, man. I wouldn't put Florida in charge of uh, of running a DMV at this point. Like, I mean, I, I don't even know what that means, but I, it just means that I have no trust that they would do anything <laughs> decent. Just everything about Florida seems chaotic right now. Decommits, people flying into the portal just at crazy speeds. I have no concept of how they would do. And to be honest with you, if they were playing anybody with a pulse, 
I just don't think Gus Malzahn's a very good coach, then I, I would definitely be picking the other team. Maybe just because you mentioned that they have always been able to run the ball pretty well this year with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson and that cast of running backs. This one's going to be low. There's no way it's going to be above a 10. I have no good feel for this game. If Dylan Gabriel was playing, hadn't been hurt, then I would definitely pick UCF. Again, this goes to show how little I think of Gus Malzahn <laughs> because any other time, almost literally anybody with a pulse, I would pick them over Florida in this game. But we'll see. But there's no way it's going to be above a 10. So I'm kind of right there with you, bud. Yeah, and I agree. If Dylan Gabriel was on the field for UCF, I would absolutely be on the Knights in this one. I mean, there'd be no question about it because my gut wanted to go for UCF. But at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think UCF is that great of a team this year either. And without Dylan Gabriel, uh, they're definitely more questionable offensively. There's just nothing about either of these teams that makes you think they're going to be better distinctly at anything than the other, except for maybe the fact that Florida can run the ball. Yeah, I agree. All right, Alan, I think we are both in about the same territory now. I think we both have a game on the 28th. Is that correct? Yeah, we do. All right, what time of day is yours kicking off? 3.15. All right, well, you start us off with your next value pick then. Okay, my man. So we got on 12.28. After Christmas, you're going to be feeling good, maybe going back to work a little bit. You're going to come home from work and flip a game on. This one's going to be one that you're going to want to have on because it's the first responder bowl at 3.15 p.m. It's Air Force and Louisville. Now, here's the thing. You mentioned that Army and Missouri was a massively good matchup for Army, and I mentioned that service academies are absolutely awful to play if you're a team in a bowl, especially a mediocre bowl kind of like this in your mediocre team. For that reason, I'm going Air Force over Louisville. Now, Louisville is a one-and-a-half-point favorite, which would have them five to an eight. But I think this Air Force team is well-coached, and they are stout. They're giving up only 19 points per game, and they can run the dang football against a team that I'm not sure is interested in stopping the run all that much. In their last game against Kentucky, they gave up a whopping 362 yards rushing. They weren't interested in being physical and tackling anybody in a game that was really important to them. I think Air Force is going to absolutely suck the life out of Louisville. I'm putting them in that 15 to 20 area. I love it, Alan. I am on the exact same side. This is not a value pick of mine, but this is one of those ones that, like you said, I kind of had it written down on my board as a possibility. I don't know exactly where it would have fallen outside my top eight, but it was pretty close to cracking the top eight. And I can't say a whole lot in addition to what you said. You mentioned the 362 yards rushing that Louisville just gave up to Kentucky. Man, that was at 7.4 yards per carry. They were nearly picking up a first down every time they ran the ball. So I'm with you. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Air Force has been a fine program over the last few years. And I think that against this Louisville defense that has not been very good, I think that Air Force stands a very good chance of winning this game. I'm going to have them picked on my board as well. And at this very moment, uh, you mentioned that you're going to put them up maybe in the teens, maybe touch 20. I think I actually have Air Force at like a 22, a 23, somewhere in there. So I think we're right in the same kind of territory, pretty aggressive plays. But I, I think that the Falcons have a very good shot to beat the Cardinals. I love kind of relying on the service academies in these types of games. It was a couple of years ago that 
Army beat somebody, I think maybe Houston, like 70 to 10 or something in a game. And it was so much fun to watch. No doubt about it. All right, Alan, shall I roll ahead with the next kickoff on the 28th? Yeah, I don't have anything else on the 28th, so you go right ahead, my man. All right, we're going to look at the Liberty Bowl. This one is Mississippi State against Texas Tech. And, Alan, I think we have some interesting things to look at in this one. The Bulldogs of Mississippi State are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Texas Tech, on the other hand, has a new quarterback, Donovan Smith, who I frankly believe has kind of improved Texas Tech. It seems that they have a little bit more of an ability passing the ball, and they've had some decent results down the stretch. They're probably pretty lucky to be in a bowl game as such, but they have improved, I think, from every indication that I've seen here over the end of the season. The thing is, though, that's a lot of improvement offensively. Texas Tech still doesn't have a good defense, and when we look at Mississippi State, Will Rogers, the quarterback, has been awesome this year, throwing for 75% completion rate, nearly going for 4,500 yards on the season, 35 touchdowns against only eight interceptions, and man, this Texas Tech team does not turn people over a whole lot, especially forcing interceptions. So, Texas Tech may be fairly improved offensively, but we talked about this when Mississippi State played Kentucky earlier this year. Mississippi State has a pretty good defense. I think they're going to be able to shut down Texas Tech's run game, and while Donovan Smith has been pretty good and has been a better passer in this system for the Red Raiders, I don't think with no running game that he's going to be able to work very well against this Mississippi State defense. And the Bulldogs, I think, should be able to score basically at will against Texas Tech. So I like Mississippi State to come away with the win in this one. I already mentioned it. The Bulldogs are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, if you're going by the spread, this one would be pretty high. You'd have the Bulldogs at either a 37 or a 38. But, Alan, I'm going to boost it up even more than that. I'm going to put the Bulldogs up into my top five picks. That's the 40, 41, 42, 43, and 44 picks. I'm not sure exactly where it's going to land in that range, but I'm going to tell you right now because we're going to get to this a little bit later on. I'm trying to find some teams that I think can win some games and try to push some of our higher spreads down just in case there's a surprise upset somewhere. That's just kind of a strategy I'm implementing. So I'm trying to find some of these games that have high spreads, but not the biggest ones on the board and put them up at the top of my board to push other things down, you know, a slot or two and hopefully uh, gain some ground if there's a surprising upset somewhere. And this has been a good Mississippi State football team. I remember going all the way back to September I picked NC State and going to Starkville and beating them, and they beat the crap out of NC State that night. They shouldn't have lost to Memphis. They shouldn't have lost to LSU. Really and truly, this is a Mississippi State team that could have been nine and three. Probably should have been nine and three. Yeah. And then almost beat Arkansas. You're talking a total of like 10 points max from being a 10-win football team. They could have been what Ole Miss was this year. So I think this is a team that is set up to do very well against a Tech team that, quite frankly, is kind of a lesser version of what Mississippi State is. So I think that's a really good value pick and kind of pushing it up the board a little bit. All right, I like it, Alan. Next up, I have a couple of games kicking off on my value picks on the 29th the next day. How about you? I've got one on the 29th that's at 545. 
Oh, I do too. Well, because I just got done talking about Mississippi State, why don't you start us off in talking about the Cheez-It Bowl? Let's do it. My God, I love Cheez-Its so much. What a delicious snack. I wish Cheez-Its would sponsor us. That would be fantastic. Agreed. Let's let's, let's get the Cheez-It Bowl, and I'll be eating Cheez-Its while I watch this game. So here's the thing. We've got Iowa State versus Clemson. This is going to be, in my opinion, a really fun game to watch. So Iowa State is a one-point favorite, which puts them anywhere between a one and a four. Now, this is a disappointing year for Iowa State. This is a chance at redemption. Now, I think Clemson is going to be limping to the finish line, having lost their defensive coordinator, their AD, and quite possibly by then their offensive coordinator too, as he's been rumored to be a leading candidate at both Duke and Virginia. There's a lot of turnover for the first time in forever there. I like for Brock Purdy and Brees Hall with some consistency and a chance at redemption alongside having at this point, Matt Campbell still be there. I'm pushing them up my board. Probably in that 10 to 12 range, not a ton, but certainly not in that one to four range. I think you can get some value here. And I think legitimately they are a better team than this Clemson team is given all the circumstances. Dude, I agree 100%. I'm in the exact same spot. This is one of my top value picks and I'm on the Cyclones as well. It's for everything that you mentioned. You know, this Iowa State team, like you said, they've been a little bit lackluster this year. A little disappointing coming off of their year in 2020. But for all that being said, their offense was still pretty good this year. Brock Purdy's been good. I think the passing offense has been a little bit better than I would have expected for Iowa State this year. Brees Hall, of course, has been awesome. But going up against a talented Clemson defense that at times has given up some good offensive performances this year. I think Iowa State stands the chance to, you know, not score a ton of points, but I think if they get up in the mid to upper 20s, they've got a great shot to win this game against a Clemson offense that has been struggling all year long. Sure, they may have hit their stride a little bit, but they've been running the ball better than passing, and I think Iowa State's defense is up to the challenge to slow down a struggling Clemson offense that hasn't been the same as it has in years past. Alan, you already mentioned it with all the changeover coaching-wise. Brent Venables headed to Oklahoma. Tony Elliott possibly going to be a head coach at either Virginia or Duke. That's still being decided as we talk about. Maybe he's still the offensive coordinator at Clemson, but there's a lot of distractions for this team right now. And for two teams that I think favor each other fairly comparably on the defensive side of the ball, just as I said before, I think Iowa State's had the much better offense between the two this year. So I'm in the exact same spot as you. With Iowa State as a one-point favorite, instead of landing them at a one through four in confidence, I'm pushing them up into a similar spot, maybe even a little bit more aggressive than you. I'm thinking the Cyclones may be up into the teens. At this point, I have them at about a 15 on my board. I'm glad we're thinking the same here. I can't imagine this much turnover at Clemson. This is something that they've not dealt with really since Dabo has been the coach there. Now, at one point, they did have Chad Morris leave and that type of thing, but they had somebody essentially kind of coming up and, and Tony Elliott's been home run higher. It feels like after last season, having his chance at opportunities at a place like Tennessee, after a difficult year this year, it feels like he may want to make this move because now he's looking at a place like Virginia and Duke 
as opposed to last year, he can jump into the SEC. We'll see. But the too much turnover, that's one of the things I mentioned in the in the podcast leading up to this with the tutorial, is when there's a lot of turmoil and, and, and turnover, I tend to like the other team. So I'm glad we're on this one too, my man. I love it. Alan, if you want to look for some turmoil, let's look at my next value pick because it happens on the same night just after Clemson and Iowa State's going to go final. At 9.15 p.m. on the East Coast, we've got Oregon against Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. This is one where we see the Sooners favored by four and a half. But man, if you're looking for turmoil, this is where it's at. Lincoln Riley off to Southern Cal. Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, also with him to Southern Cal. Their second leading receiver, Jaden Hazelwood, is off to Arkansas. They've got other guys in the transfer portal. They've got a lot of crazy stuff going on. Bob Stoops is coming back to be the head coach for this game while they wait on Brent Venables to come in full-time after that. And on the other side, Oregon's dealing with a lot of the same stuff, man. Kayvon Thibodeau is out as he is leaving for the NFL draft. He's skipping the game. Mario Cristobal is on his way to Miami. Joe Moorhead, even though he's staying for this game and is going to be the offensive coordinator, he's already on his way to being the head coach at Akron. So they've got a ton of stuff going on on both sides in this one. I think Oklahoma is the better team, but that offense, as we've talked about all year, has struggled a lot of the year. And with Lincoln Riley leaving, I don't like the situation for this matchup. So, Alan, if you're following the spread with Oklahoma as a four and a half point favorite, you would put the Sooners at either a 24 or a 25. But, Alan, I think that's too much value to be putting on a team with so many question marks. Again, I do think the Sooners are probably the right side to land on in this one, but I'm going to lower Oklahoma in this one, probably down into the teens. Right now, I have it at about a 13 on my board. I just want to save that value for anybody who would have it a little bit higher. There's just too many question marks for me in this game, really on both sides, but I don't think either team's worth putting a ton of points on. I have no idea. We chuckled at this off air. These two teams and programs at this point are dumpster fires. Who the heck knows what that's going to look like? I love the fact that two former coaches are coming in and coaching these games, though. Uh, old Bobby Stoops is coming back to relive the glory days. We'll see if that matters. I don't know that it's going to, but I definitely don't have any good feel on this game. And quite frankly, if you think you do, you may have just had a bad meal and you need to discern what in the world you're feeling because I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen in this game. No doubt about it. Do not put a lot of points on the Sooners. Do not put a lot of points on Oregon. Either way, keep it kind of low and you might be very well served for that because there might be people paying a big price with a lot of the question marks that are floating around this matchup. Exactly. All right, Alan, my next value pick comes on New Year's Eve on December 31st at 11 a.m. Do you have anything before that? I do. I've got a couple on the 30th, actually. All right, go ahead and go with your first matchup on the 30th. All right, let's go down to the Georgia Dome and the Peach Bowl on December 30th. At 7 p.m., we've got Pittsburgh and Michigan State. This is a battle of almost playoff teams. They both had chances throughout the year and just weren't quite good enough. But both of them had incredible years, surprising years in many ways. As we look at this game, Michigan State is a one-point favorite, which 
again, puts them in that range of one to four on your board. So really, really low. I'm actually swapping that. Now, this is a conditional pick. As long as Kenny Pickett actually plays this game, I'm swapping this. I like Kenny Pickett, even without an offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator that went to Nebraska. I like Kenny Pickett against what has been a pretty tremendously awful pass defense this year, right? This is a pass defense that at least made C.J. Stroud a Heisman finalist, right? And that absolute thrashing against Ohio State. I think this could be something similar in that Kenny Pickett and those wide receivers, they are really, really good. Kenny Pickett's going to try to solidify the fact that he's going to be the first quarterback taken as long as he plays. If he doesn't play, then I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. But as long as he plays, I'm pushing Pitt up my board probably into that 15 range. I think Pittsburgh can stop the run enough to be able to hold off. Yeah, I like where your head's at with this one. Like you said, it is a conditional pick. As long as Kenny Pickett is in the game, I'm with you. I like the Panthers in this one, too. You mentioned the bad Michigan State defense. Alan, man, it's been well documented on some of these games we've seen late in the season. Statistically, it's the worst pass defense in the country. And going up against Kenny Pickett and what he's done all year, I think that they should have an awful lot of success You mentioned being able to slow down the run. We've talked about this Pittsburgh defensive line. I think they should be able to slow down Kenneth Walker. I'm right there with you. If Kenny Pickett doesn't play in this game, I need to look a little bit more about who would be playing, but I don't think there's any way I'm probably going to pick Pittsburgh. I think it's that close, but at the same time, I'm willing to put a lot of confidence in this one just because of that style matchup with the passing offense against the bad passing defense of Michigan State. So I'm willing at this point, I think, to push Pittsburgh maybe even up into the 20. That's right where I have it right now on my board. I'm going to have to look at that a lot closer, but I think that Pittsburgh feels good to me as long as Kenny Pickett's on the field. Yeah, and that's going to be a big deal and something to monitor. As long as he's there, that's going to be a big value pick. Maybe Vegas knows something, and that's why the line's so tight. I don't know, but at this point, that's definitely going to be a value pick. I'll jump into my next one because I've also got another one on the 30th. As soon as that one ends, you've got the Las Vegas Bowl, not for the Raiders, but the Las Vegas Bowl. We've got Wisconsin and Arizona State. The Badgers are already a seven-point favorite, which puts them already as up to like a 29 to 33 on your board. I'm pushing them higher, up to near 40. Arizona State hasn't seen a defense like Wisconsin's yet. And Wisconsin, prior to the Minnesota game, where they literally pooped the bed for a chance to get into the Big Ten championship game, had been putting up 35-plus three weeks in a row. Now, both have had terribly inconsistent quarterbacks, with Graham Mertz having 10 interceptions and nine touchdowns, and Jaden Daniels having 10 touchdowns and nine interceptions. But this time, I think it comes down to defense, the better defense, and the better team that can run the ball. Jaden Daniels is going to turn the ball over too many times. This defense is really, really good. I think Wisconsin wins this kind of going away in that 14 to 20 point mark. So I'm pushing them up near to that 40 mark. 
I like where your head's at with this one, Alan. I can't say that I'm on the exact same page in pushing Wisconsin up, uh, but I do have them at a very high value as well. I kind of have them in this exact same territory that you're talking about in that 29 to 33 range. I think at this moment I have Wisconsin at like a 32 uh, but that's in that cluster of teams, kind of in those mid-30s to lower 30s, that I, I would certainly consider pushing Wisconsin up. And I, it's, I, it's the same thought pattern, man. Their defense is so good. This Arizona State team has not been great in the second half of the season. Jaden Daniels has not been that good this season. And then you look over at Wisconsin, man, this is a team that really struggled out of the gate this year. But for the most part, they've really gotten things going. They kind of burned you and me both when they lost to Minnesota. But yeah. – Outside of that, I think Wisconsin's been very good, and I think this is a pretty good matchup for them. And their star running back, Braylon Allen, has just been special in the second half of the season. I don't know if he's turned 18 yet, but I know for a good part of the season, he was 17 years old and was just tearing apart defenses inside the Big Ten. So with a defense with Arizona State that's decent but not great, I think they should be able to run the ball well again. And like you said, I think that kind of sets up well for Graham Mertz to have a better day. So I'm with you in liking Wisconsin in this matchup. I just may not be pushing it quite as high in value as you are. And I totally get that. I just am, I'm feeling pretty confident in this one. In two similar teams, I think Wisconsin is the much better version of that. And when you're looking for a slight edge, especially in some of those games that you're not as comfortable with, I feel a little bit better about this one, maybe grabbing a few extra points. We'll see if it pays off. Definitely. We're looking forward to that one with a lot of value on it. Alan, for my next value pick, I'm going to the next morning in college football. On New Year's Eve at 11 a.m., we have a kickoff here on the East Coast between Wake Forest and Texas A&M. This one's in the Gator Bowl. And, Alan, we have the Aggies as a seven-point favorite in this matchup. And, boy, do I like the Aggies in this matchup. Here's the reasons why. We've seen Texas A&M all year. Sometimes they have a struggling offense, but they've got a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball, man, and they've got a talented defensive line. Now, a part of that, DeMarvin Leal, their star on the defensive line, is not playing in this game, so that is a loss, but I think they have recruited well enough that they should still give Wake Forest a lot of problems along the defensive line. This is a Wake Forest team that we've talked about it. They've been pretty good for a lot of the year, but late in the season, Sam Hartman has turned into bad Sam Hartman. That's because he has 36 touchdowns on the season compared to 14 interceptions. But get this, he's thrown 11 of those 14 interceptions in the last five games. You look at the performances against Pittsburgh, against Clemson, this thing really has turned south for Sam Hartman in this offense, and I think Texas A&M has the talent, especially on the defensive line, to slow down, if not completely shut down the running game, and then collapse that pocket on Sam Hartman. You know, Wake Forest has this really unique offense. If you haven't seen it, they run these really slow mesh points with the zone read. They delay the handoff way longer than anybody else in the country, but teams with talented defensive lines have been able to kind of collapse that pocket on top of San Hartman. I think maybe some strip sacks or some deflected passes or some batted balls at the line of scrimmage that can go up and be intercepted. I think those things can happen in favor of Texas A&M. So, Alan, with the Aggies as a seven-point favorite, if you're following the spread, you would put the confidence value 
for Texas A&M between a 29 and a 33. But as you can tell by what I'm saying, I'm moving the Aggies up above that level, and I'm going to put them up into my 40s. I think this is one that the Aggies win. I think because they're going up against such a bad defense in Wake Forest, I think they will have success offensively, especially with Isaiah Spiller and Devon A-Chain. Assuming both of those guys are there, we should watch opt-outs there. But I think this Texas A&M offense will have success, and I think they'll get some stops against Sam Hartman. And I think Sam Hartman probably throws another interception or two that can be very, very costly in this matchup. So I'm going to take the Aggies somewhere up in the 40s for my board. That's crazy how Sam Hartman has become, like you said, the bad version as they've played some better defenses. I remember seeing this team against an Army team we've already talked about, and he couldn't miss anything. And it was so frustrating as you and I tried to pick that upset to get a few points back. And they just were unbelievably good that day. But he's not been the same over the past couple of weeks. Obviously, against Clemson, that defensive line just got all over him. This is a better version of that defensive line. The caveat is, does Texas A&M really want to be there? I think they do. I'm with you on going the Aggies. I don't know exactly where I'm going to put them yet, but definitely I, I think there's some value to be had there. Very, very nice. All right, Alan, this is New Year's Eve that we're talking about. I've already talked about the first game, New Year's Eve. We do have the college football playoff matchups coming up later in New Year's Eve. So before we get to that, do you have any more picks outside the college football playoff on the 31st? I do not. All right, so let's jump into the college football playoff picks. Again, because we're going in chronological order, we'll give you the semifinals now, and then we'll work through the rest of our value picks before we get to the national championship. But, Alan, let's start in the afternoon slot with the 3.30 kickoff between Cincinnati and Alabama. I have a feeling we're both going to the same spot on this one, so I'll let you start us off. In the Cotton Bowl Classic, between the Crimson Tide and the Bearcats, we have Alabama as a 13.5-point favorite. Alan, it's the biggest spread on our board, which would value Alabama at a 44. So talk about the matchup a little bit, some of the keys you're looking at, and uh, tell us where you're thinking you're going to put this game. Well, I'll make this real simple for everybody. You need to choose Alabama. And you need to choose them really high. <laughs> and I, I think that we've seen good versions of Alabama and we've seen bad versions of Alabama. But for big games, for the most part, if it's a big game, then Nick Saban has his team ready. This is a Cincinnati team is not quite, I don't think, as good as they were a year ago, though they do have better wins this year than they did a year ago going to Notre Dame and even beating a, a pretty darn good Houston team. Desmond Ritter is is a very good quarterback, but he, he's not seen Will Anderson yet either. Um, <laughs> and so he's going to catch him outside. How about that? And it's probably not going to be a pleasant sight for him. Bryce Young has had two essentially Heisman moments over the past couple of weeks. They feel like they're getting going. This just feels like one of those games. As long as Jamison Williams can take the brunt of John Mechie going down for the season with a torn ACL, then I feel pretty comfortable with Bama. Yeah, I'm on Alabama as well. I think for obvious reasons, 
they really crank things up against Georgia. They are going up against a good Cincinnati defense. And you mentioned the loss of John Mechie. I don't think that's an insignificant loss, but I think Alabama probably should be good in this one. The thing is with Cincinnati, they do have a couple of really, really good defensive backs. You mentioned them earlier this year, Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant. Those guys should be able to match up fairly well, I think, with Jamison Williams, but he'll probably still get them a time or two. But I think a lot of pressure in this game is going to fall on the shoulders of Desmond Ritter. Does he play a really good game, or is he limited some by some of those athletes on the defensive side? You mentioned Will Anderson. I think that's a huge matchup here. You know, how many times does Anderson get after Desmond Ritter? You know, is there a strip sack in there somewhere? Is there a bad decision by Ritter and trying to get out in space and, you know, extend a play with some of those guys coming after him? I think there's some questions there, but uh, you also mentioned the bad Alabama that we've seen this year. Time and time again in close games, something we're not used to, the loss to Texas A&M, the close games against Florida and LSU and Auburn. I really haven't known what to make of this team so far. So I'm with you. I don't think Cincinnati is as good a version of itself this year as it was a year ago. But I'm wondering what Alabama is. If the version shows up that did against Georgia, then Alabama is going to probably roll in this game. But I think that Cincinnati may be good enough to keep this a very competitive game. I don't think Alabama is just going to run away with this thing. So I want to be a little bit cautious with this pick. Even though it is the biggest spread on my board, Alan, I actually want to find an intentional way to drop it just a little bit, just in case there is a surprise upset so that I don't get caught. Of course, that could backfire with some other things that I put above it. But if I feel safe enough about some picks, man, I I would love to see a crazy upset sprung where some people get cost a loss more heavily than I do. So while Alabama is favored by 13 and a half, and that would lock them in at a 44 on the board, I'm going to put the Crimson Tide probably at a 40 or a 41, just trying to slide them down a couple of spots and uh, see if this game could get a little dicey. You know, I I can't say that I blame you on moving it down a little bit because I mean, Cincinnati took Georgia to the wire last year. Largely very, very similar Georgia team, save for a, a couple of white wide receivers and tight ends that they currently have. <laughs> and so we'll see. But at, at this point, I definitely don't feel altogether great about Cincinnati's chances. Yeah, I understand that. The thing I would say, though, about Cincinnati, whereas we talked about Alabama really cranking things up against Georgia, I think the kind of the same thing can be said about Cincinnati, where they really kind of struggled their way through the first half of the season, maybe a little bit more. But the last few weeks of the year, Cincinnati really seemed like they improved and played a lot better football, more consistent football across 60 minutes. So I think those are the reasons I look at Cincinnati is, you know, I'm not really sure they're going to have a great shot at winning the game, but I do think that this can be a fun, exciting game, especially if Desmond Ritter has a good game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're capable of making this a a really fun game, but I just don't know that they're going to have enough sauce, if you will. Maybe they needed an extra sauce in there. And, and not just Sauce Gardner to be able to pull it off. I like it. Alan, let's go to the next college football playoff matchup with Georgia and Michigan in the 2-3 matchup. This one's at 7.30 p.m. on December 31st. So, Alan, as we look at this one in the Orange Bowl, we have the Georgia Bulldogs as a 7.5-point favorite, even though they are the three seed. Where are you looking at for this matchup and who you have coming out on top? Oh, my gosh. This is a classic heart versus head pick, isn't it? Classic heart versus head. I would love, 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 love nothing more 
personally, professionally, spiritually, in every way possible for Michigan to beat this Georgia team. And I think they have some things that can probably help them to keep it close, but they rely a lot on their run game. And that is something that Georgia just doesn't allow with this defense. It feels like if you're going to beat Georgia, you're going to have to beat them over the top. You're going to have to beat man-to-man coverage and then kind of spread them out. This is not really what this Michigan team does. And so because of that, I'm going to have to go Bulldogs. And we unfortunately and inevitably have to get a dang rematch for the national championship. (laughs) We'll see, man. I think this game can be really competitive. That being said, I'm with you. I'm going with Georgia. I think it's the safer play in this one. And uh, real quick, by the way, uh, do you know kind of where you're putting this game in terms of value? This is probably going to be middle of the road. I I don't have an exact value on it, but it's going to be in that probably that 20 to 25 range. Yeah, I like that. This Georgia team, like we said, is favored by seven and a half points. If you are going by the confidence value, according to the spread, you would have the Bulldogs at either a 34 or a 35. Like we talked about early in this thing, there are not a lot of touchdown favorites in this thing. So you would put Georgia pretty high, but I'm with you. I agree. This was actually one of my value picks overlapping with the college football playoff. And like I said, I'm picking Georgia, but I think this Michigan team can keep this game close. I just look at this thing going, man, this is going to be two good defenses slugging this thing out. And I could see this thing being one score the whole way, but I think Georgia is more athletic. I think they have more talent on their team. I think at the end of the day, they probably win the one area where I would give Michigan a little bit of credit if they are going to win this game, you mentioned they rely a lot on the running game. And man, I think it would be easy for them to say, man, Blake Corum's a little bit of a smaller back. He's going to take a lot of big hits against this Georgia defense. And I think it'd be easy if he only gains two and three yards in his first few carries just to kind of shut him down and go more with Hassan Haskins. But I think the thing is, if you can get Blake Corum that little sliver of open space, and if he can hightail it to 40 or 50-yard gains once or twice in this game, that could really boost Michigan in a way that could give them an edge. So that's kind of the thing I'm leaning on, that if Michigan can find a way to pop a couple of big plays in the running game, if they can force a turnover or two, I think they absolutely can win this game. But I think the right play is Georgia. So I'm going to be on the Bulldogs, but I'm going to lower it in value according to the spread, just like you talked about, Alan. Instead of a 34 or a 35, I aim to have the Bulldogs somewhere in the 20s on my board. Yeah, Michigan's defense is legit. And I do not think that Georgia's offensive line and Stetson Bennett and James Cook and the whole kit and caboodle are going to enjoy going up against this defensive unit. They really, really can get after the quarterback. And I see Stetson Bennett getting hit several times. This may feel a lot like that game against Clemson at the beginning of the year that ended up being, I think a 10 to three game. Yeah. I can see that, you know, it probably won't be that low scoring, but like a a 20 to 10, 20, 13 kind of game. It would not surprise me at all. Again, I would love nothing more than Michigan to win this game. It would be good for college football. It would be entertaining and Kirby smart can run off into the sunset with his terrible bowl cut of a haircut (laughs) and i think he looks like dumb and dumber when when he gets the nice bowl cut 
Um, so that would make me so happy, especially as the Vols fans. But we'll see. I'm with you, though, moving them down the, the board a little bit. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense, and it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. Alan, as we turn our attention from the first round of the college football playoff, let's move on to New Year's Day. I have one value pick on New Year's Day. It happens at 5 p.m. Do you have anything, sir? I do. The rest of my picks are on New Year's Day, actually. Okay, so I'm assuming you have at least one before 5 o'clock? Yeah, I have two. So the 12 p.m. Outback Bowl is going to be my first pick of the day on New Year's Day. That's going to be probably when I make or break. It was definitely last year when my picks were made, and this hopefully will be the same. Arkansas versus Penn State in the Outback Bowl, high noon. If you look at it, surprisingly, Penn State is actually a two-point favorite. Now, that is a wild coincidence, in my opinion, and something I think Vegas is entirely wrong about that. That would put them as a nine. Flip that mess. I've got Arkansas over Penn State. This is a highly motivated team. Sam Pittman's got his unit playing well after a midseason lull. Penn State didn't end the regular season all that well. Lost their defensive coordinator as he becomes a head coach. So we'll see, but I've got Arkansas in that 10 to 15 range. I can't blame you, Alan. I think that there's a lot of different ways you could land on this game, and I wouldn't blame people for taking Penn State, but I think these are two teams that are probably fairly well balanced against each other, and I could see either team coming out on top. But at this point in time, I agree with you. I have Arkansas on my board, but I haven't done the deep dive that I want to to solidify that pick. But I'm also in the exact same range you are. As of this moment, I have the Razorbacks at a 10. I think they've had a really good year under Sam Pittman. I think that there's a lot of things to like about that team. Early in the year, they just looked like they could probably only run the ball. But I think they've actually thrown the ball pretty well as well. I think they're much more balanced than Penn State. We've talked about that. They don't have a running game, and I think that that is an edge that Arkansas could get in this matchup. So I kind of like where your head's at. I need to do a deeper dive to solidify that pick, but as of this moment, I'm on the same page as you. That's going to be a fun game to watch. All these really New Year's Day games are going to be fun to watch. And so essentially the exact same logic in many ways goes to my next value pick, which is the Citrus Bowl. That begins at 1 p.m. on New Year's Day. It's Kentucky and Iowa. These are two teams that are very, very similar to one another. In many ways, Mark Stoops has built the Iowa of the SEC in Kentucky. But Kentucky has a chance to get to 10 wins this year. They've got a good defense. It's not as good as previous years, but still pretty good. But the big thing this year is they have a pretty good offense, and they can spread you out a little bit. Wondell Robinson is that little fella is shifty and he is good somehow some way by the mercies and, and grace of god they are only a two and a half point favorite against this iowa team that just got throttled 42 to 3 against michigan in the big 10 championship game which they really shouldn't have even been there if we're honest it's only because wisconsin just laid an absolute egg against minnesota that would put Kentucky in that 10 to 13 range if you just chose them as a two and a half point favorite. But, brother, I'm pushing them way up the board. This one's going to be in that 25 to 30 range. Woo! Man, the Wildcats. You were coming hard, and I like it 
because of my history growing up in the great state of Kentucky. Alan, I tend to agree with you on this one. I'm more wary of it than you are, which is saying a good bit because I've actually pushed this one up in value as well. But I like the Kentucky Wildcats in this matchup. The one concern that I have, we talked about this a lot early in the season. It kind of worked itself out a little bit. But Will Levis going up against a defense that turns you over a lot that would be the concern for the Kentucky Wildcats. Otherwise, I think they're the better team. We've talked about this Iowa Hawkeyes team and how they have absolutely no offense. Like you said, the defenses are comparable, but if Kentucky plays a clean game offensively, I think they win this thing. I think that's just the simple way of putting it because I don't think Iowa's going to be able to move the ball much at all in this matchup. And Kentucky, while they were probably going to be limited, I think can still score you know, 17, 20, 24 points, something in that range. And if they don't turn the ball over three and four times, I think Kentucky probably comes out on top in this game. I'm just going to have it lower on my board. I think somewhere in the low 20s at this point in time, maybe mid-20s. I like it. So me pushing it up in, into that upper 20s, into to 30 kind of area, it's got you thinking that I may be smoking some of that bluegrass, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, if they get another ten win season, then Mark Stoops is going to be sitting pretty. He gets uh, he gets a nice little two year extension on his contract every time he hits ten wins during a college football season. It's a pretty dang good gig. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've heard some people kind of point out just in the last two or three years that Mark Stoops, if you look into those details of his contract, there are some people suggesting that he has the best contract in all of college football. He's earned it, in my opinion. He's consistently won and brought legitimacy and consistency to a tough program. And they're never anything outlandish or crazy, but nine wins at Kentucky is a big dang deal. Yeah, it is. And for extending off of that thought, I don't know if you have heard these details before, but like I said, if he wins 10 games, he gets an automatic two-year bump on his contract. If he wins seven games in a season, he gets an automatic one-year extension. That's the ease that he has with his contract. And like you said, he's turned Kentucky into a relatively good program. And each year now for the last four or five years, they've been winning seven, eight games. And then every once in a while, they're kind of creeping up in this 9-10 win range. Kudos to them. No doubt about it. Alan, for my next value pick, I'm going to look at the 5 p.m. slot on January 1st. This one is the Rose Bowl game between Utah and Ohio State. The Buckeyes are a six and a half point favorite. But Alan, man, I don't know what they're thinking at this point. They're coming off the loss to Michigan. No college football playoff for the first time in a while. I don't know what Ohio State's going to be looking at motivation-wise for this game against a tough physical Utah team. With this Utes team, they have an impressive backfield between Tavion Thomas and TJ Pledger. Cam Rising has come on since the early stages of the season and has really played well. Allen, this Ohio State team is not great defensively. We do know that the passing game is special, and what they have offensively is really hard to stop. But I'm going to be watching this one closely for potential opt-outs, and then I'm going to be keying in on this Utah team, the fact that they are consistent and, like I mentioned, really physical because what we saw with Ohio State was all year they cruised by most teams, but they lost to physical opponents in Michigan and Oregon that could really run the ball. That's what this Utah team can do. So, Alan, I'm not sure if I'm going to go with the upset in this one, 
but the spread would suggest that you should be on the Buckeyes as a six and a half point favorite at either a 27 or a 28. And that's way too many points, in my opinion, on the Buckeyes, because I don't know what their desire is going to be to be playing in this game, considering that they were nearly in the college football playoff. So I'm going to side with dropping the value on Ohio State at the very least. At the best for the Buckeyes, I'm going to have them in the teens. And as we get closer to this game, I'm strongly going to consider picking Utah, but especially if we find out that an Ohio State receiver or two leave this game and aren't going to play and prepare for the NFL draft, that would really help things. But I like this Utah team and certainly the way they've been playing late. The fact that they blew out Oregon a couple of times and the fact that they run the ball in a really physical fashion, I think sets up well for this game to be very close, if not Utah point off the upset. So I'm definitely going Ohio State lower in value at the very least and considering the upset as we get closer to January 1st. Things you love to see, this pick right here, my man. I am bop, 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 freaking loving it. This was one of my value picks too with the Rose Bowl. I'm going to go ahead and flip that baby. I've actually got Utah over Ohio State. As you mentioned, Ohio State would be somewhere like 27-28 because they're six-and-a-half-point favorites. Utah has played by far and away their best football as of late. The one team earlier in the season that beat this Ohio State team was Oregon, and they've throttled them two times in like three weeks. They can run the dang football, and they've got some guys in the defensive backfield that can make some plays. They're pick six U, and as you mentioned, this is something that's important in regards to what Ohio State can't do defensively because they can run the football. Ohio State tends to not be able to stop it this year. So it's really and truly not only did this Utah team do the very thing that allowed Michigan and Oregon to beat them. But Utah beats the crap out of that Oregon team that beat Ohio State. Now, I know you can't do math like that for college football, but I'm flipping it. It's going to be low, probably in the lower five, because it's a big upset, but I'm laying it all out there. I'm loving where you're at. I like it because uh, part of me wanted to go with Utah, and I haven't really convinced myself fully of that. And as I click over to my pick and board at this moment, I actually see that I have Utah selected, but my value pick, I guess when I wrote it down was just giving the philosophy of dropping that value on Ohio state, regardless, even if you don't want to jump over to the Utah side. But as I dig into this thing closer, man, I might be in the exact same side because that's where I have it picked at this moment. And uh, it'll be interesting to see this game because I think there's an awful lot of motivation on the side of Utah and possibly a lot of motivation missing on the side of Ohio state. Yes, I would love it. Come on, let's do this thing, man. Love it. Alan, have you gone through all eight of your value picks at this point? I have laid all of my cards on the table, my man. Awesome. I have two, so that means that we are off to the national championship. We're going to fast forward to December 10th. That is when the national championship comes through. It's either going to be Alabama or Cincinnati on one side. It's either going to be Georgia or Michigan on the other For that matter, you and I both have Alabama and Georgia in a rematch. So, Alan, I want to know where you're headed for this game. And just so everybody understands, when we've been talking about all these values, because we don't know the opponents for each other in the national championship quite yet, I went ahead and pulled 
a projected line for this game and uh, we went ahead and went with the favorites. So we went ahead and projected it. Alan and I didn't talk about the teams we'd be projecting, but uh, both Georgia and Alabama are favored in their semifinals. So I went ahead and found our projected line for Alabama versus Georgia in the national championship. This isn't going back to the SEC championship. And if you remember, Georgia was favored in the SEC championship. The projected line I pulled was for Alabama minus four over Georgia and if you're going according to the spread, like we've done all along here in the Pick'em Pod, that would put Alabama in the 21 to 23 range. So, Alan, I want to know, who are you picking in the national championship between the two, and what kind of value are you putting on the winning side? Okay, I, I stood before everybody and said, you always, 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 always have to have it above a 10, right? But I'm not going much more than that. <laughs> I'm going to keep it in that 10 to 15 range. Probably 12, 13. I think last year I had it maybe at a 12 or a 13. And I really don't want to do this, but I'm going to go Bama. For me as a Tennessee fan, this is like having to eat a whole case of mayonnaise or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) My worst nightmare. I think Bama is overall better team in that this is the very kind of team that Georgia struggles to handle. Even without Mechie, I think they beat him two times in a month just because I think Nick Saban is that much better than Kirby Smart. In these types of games, Kirby is just, for some reason, not been able to take care of business. And so I'm going Bama. Yeah, I don't think that's that surprising. I think obviously we're going to have a lot of people in that same thought process. Right now, I think it's going to be a very close game. You know, at first I saw that line, the projected line for Alabama minus four. And I thought, hmm, I don't know about that because Alabama did just kind of cruise over Georgia. But I looked a little bit closer at that one. You had the pick six there in the second half. You also had a couple of opportunities where Georgia drove the field and was in scoring Mm -hmm. position and turned the ball over. If those things can go the other way, or if you just negate those turnovers, I think this game could have gone right down to the wire. And maybe we're talking about an overtime situation or one team winning by a field goal, something like that. So I'm now all of a sudden with fully the spread. And I think the loss of Mechie is going to be important, man. With Alabama, you know, he had nearly 100 yards receiving in the SEC championship game when he went down with the torn ACL. And this receiving core, while talented, they have talented players and recruits who have come in. This is not the receiving core of a year ago with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell and all of those guys. So I think that maybe there's a chance that Georgia can rebound. The fact that Mechie would be down at this point in time, I'm going to cautiously say Georgia as my projected national champion, getting a little revenge and correcting some things defensively and only having to go up against one of those two star wide receivers, I think could be a plus for the Georgia Bulldogs. So at this point in time, I'm going to lean Georgia, but it is ever so slightly. I do happen to have the national championship pick locked in somewhere, kind of where the spread is indicating in the low 20s, but I'm not sure it's going to stay there. I'm going to work my way to see if I can work it down a little bit, uh, but that's about where it falls for me, kind of a mid-level pick at this point. I like that, and it's hard to beat a team twice in that span. They know what you're going to try to do. They know how you're going to try to exploit them, so I really can't blame you for picking Georgia in this type of matchup. Like you said, the game itself didn't play out as much of a blowout as the score in the SEC championship game ended up being. This, for me, really comes down to what coach I like more when I think is going to be able to better prepare his team 
to be able to, to win that game. And so this is really a coin toss type of game. I would not have more than 10 points put on this, except for the fact that it is a personal belief that I need that type of flexibility in the end everything. It is going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. And Alan, it's going to be a fun, fun bowl season with a bunch of games to pick. And uh, as we work our way through, we've given you all our value picks. We've given you new playoff picks. We're going to probably tune back in with you. Alan and I have not talked about this, but Alan, if you're up for it, our last bowl game before the national championship is on the fourth. And then we have nearly a week in between the LSU Kansas state bowl game and the national championship. So if you're up for it again, like we did last year, I think we should tune back in for another episode that week before the national championship, you know, figure out exactly what the matchup is, whether it's Alabama, Georgia or something else, and then give an updated pick and give a projected score as well for that tiebreaker. As we work our way down to the end of this contest with over $500 in prizes up for grabs. I'd be up for it, man. Very, very nice. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find Alan at AD on the blackout. You can find myself at TB on the blackout. And of course, we love those ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. The last I checked, we had 44 five-star reviews. We would love to collect some more of those as we go. So as we're talking about, we'll probably target like the 5th or the 6th of January to review some bowl games, get some updates on what happened in the college football playoff semifinals and then give you some picks for the national championship. Hey, they might stay the exact same. They might flip a little bit. So it'll be interesting to tune back into that and we'll give a projected score for that tiebreaker. Alan, it's been a blast, a lot of value on the board and man, we overlapped a good bit, which uh, sometimes didn't turn out so well for us during the regular season, but I hope it bodes well for the bowl season as we try to rank up at the top of the group as we go throughout this bowl season. That's right, man. It'll be fun to watch all the games and interact with everybody. Let's enjoy this together, man. Absolutely. I cannot believe this kind of signifies the end of the college football season. I know we still have almost nearly a month left of football, but the fact that we're recording this episode means that, hey, you and I are almost done for the season, but it's been a blast. Thank you so much for your time, Alan, and can't wait to see what these bowl matchups do for us as we work our way deeper into December and then in January. That's right. Best of luck to everybody and Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.